podcast host Trey Roland. This is Trey Roland. Trey Roland. With another edition of the Rollcast. And even if I'm not your favorite, probably top five, top ten, top twenty, either way, doesn't really matter. Hey everybody. This is not a drill. This is Trey Roland, and I'm back with a very tired, a very exhausted. Uh, edition of the Rollcast. I don't know if you guys have heard. Uh, I'm a dad times two. I have a new little girl in addition to go along with my two-year-old son, so I haven't been sleeping. Uh, I haven't been doing anything other than like being wrist deep in baby feces and uh, covered in vomit. Uh, so that includes not podcasting, but I found like probably for the first time in like three weeks where both the kids are asleep at the same time. So I figured I'd come down to the old Iowa basement podcast recording studio and chop it up with you guys a little bit. As always, can't do it by myself. Here with the super producer, Richie Barnes. Super producer, what's up, my friend? I feel like I haven't heard your voice in like in in, in just months. Yeah, right. Trey, I've missed you, man. I, I don't know what to do <laughs> on my Sundays, but I'm happy to be back. You text me literally like 20 minutes ago. I'm Finishing my round of golf at Hunter's Creek Golf National will make it sound legit when it's not. It's a terrible golf course, but it was, sounded uh, good to me. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm glad to be back and, and doing this again. Uh, me too, buddy. And like the the people, the the super producer is the peak of professionalism. I text him 20 minutes later. This guy's been butt chugging white claws all afternoon. He's got a solid buzz on. He doesn't give a fuck when the roll cat when when the people need to hear. From just the voices of reason as the super producer and I are, uh, he drops everything and he gets it done because we care about you people. We just, we just care about you people. So Richie, I'm back. We'll see. Like I said, guys, it's whenever I can carve out a little bit of time. The actual pregnancy and delivery was its fucking own story unto itself. I'll save that story for the end because it was nuts. I'll get with all the, the Florida State stuff first because it looks like even during even during a COVID-related pandemic, if you wait two and a half weeks to record in between episodes, there is some shit to talk about. So I do have some Florida State shit to talk about. Richie, what? just how are you holding up during all this, my man? I mean, you went golfing. You look like a million bucks. You look happy. Is everything going okay in the Barnes household? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I work in a hospital, so my life literally oh, has Jesus. not changed much at all since the start of the pandemic. Um, I go to work every day, Monday through Friday. I go to Publix three, four times a week. And <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like my life. The only thing that's different, like we don't, we have not been to like a happy hour or anything, but that other than that, my life's been the same. So I feel blessed and thankful that I still get a paycheck. My wife is essential. She gets a paycheck. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to be back and uh, let's do this. And I know one thing that hasn't changed, and that's your pristine bush, because this episode is always, is what a segue, sponsored by the fine people at manscaped.com. Listen, manscaped.com, they sponsor us. They love us. We love them. They're the only men's brand dedicated just to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. They want you looking good. They don't want you to have stanky balls. Like They're the best, guys. They're the fucking best. And they've got the best trimmer on the market, and that is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I'll be honest with you, man. In addition to soiled diapers, bottles, burp rags, I have a couple 
I have multiple Manscaped trimmers around the house because Manscaped does not want us to talk about a product that we don't use. So I've got my one that's dedicated for Rollcast Jr. from a from a dick, my penis. I've got that trimmer, but I had an extra one and my hair was looking gross, Richie. I was looking like Seth Rogen from Knocked Up, just a big mass of disgusting, gross hair. And I was like, listen, I need to get this thing done, but I don't have clippers. Well, what do I do? I pull out the lawnmower 3.0 and my wife gives me a perfect fade, just a solid edge up. I look like a million trillion fucking dollars because they're advanced skin safe technology. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you guys, it works on your pubes, but it also works on your hair hair. Um, so if you have one, buy another one. And you can give yourself perfect quarantine edge-ups. I look so fucking good, it's unbelievable. You can't tell because this is not the only format. Listen, guys, I wouldn't I wouldn't steer you wrong here. It's the best. And guess what? Another benefit to like trimming your, your dick hair even during a quarantine makes your penis look bigger. We could all use that. Am I right? And listen. I don't just say it's the best. It's the best because of the advanced skin safe technology. It's cordless. It's got 90 minutes. That's right. 90 minutes, an hour and a half of ball shaving time. What a little led light. So if your power goes out or you're just like, Oh man, you wake up in the middle of the night, you want a glass of water. Uh, you want to, trim your bush boom you can do that at four in the morning no problem they've got a, a cadre of other products they got the crop preserver which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant listen you use degree use old use old spice for your for your underarms use something for your dick man it smells listen it's the best and i'm going to tell you what 20 percent off plus free shipping oh my god how are you going to do it i'm going to tell you it right now Promo code Rollcast, R-O-W-L-C-A-S-T, Manscaped.com, 20% off, plus free shipping. Promo code Rollcast at Manscaped.com. Listen, become one of the millions and millions of The Rock's balls that will have their life changed due to Manscaped.com. We will thank you. Manscaped.com will thank you. But as always, your balls will thank you. And that's the most satisfying thanks of all. All right, Richie, bills have been paid. Let's talk about some shit. Where to begin? Where to begin? Where to begin? Let's start with the positive. Florida State doing some stuff on the recruiting trail. I think last week we got a commitment from four-star cornerback uh, from the state of Texas, Hunter Washington. Richie, did you check this commitment out? What do you think of this kid? I did, and it seems like, um, man, our, our new defensive backs coach is uh, really carrying everybody's weight right now. He's just... <laughs> he, has, he has no idea that there's a quarantine going on or, or a shutdown because he is just getting elite. I don't know if I say elite, but he's getting blue chip recruits to say yes to Florida State right now. It's a good. It does seem that like we were always kind of um, the coaching prowess of this staff. Not really in question, man. In my opinion, Mike Norvell got a pristine record as an offensive mind. Pristine record as a head coach when you see what he did from Memphis, kind of picking up where Fuente left off and getting that program literally to like the best it's ever been. I think three of Mike Norvell's years from like an S&P Plus perspective were better than Justin Fuente's best year ever at the program, kind of culminating in last year. So the coaching, the coaching chops never in question. The recruiting stuff, with a staff outside of the two carryovers in Odell Hagen's and Ron Dugan's, there was some kind of questions around how good will the recruiting be? Who are the top ace recruiters on the staff? Who's going to really distinguish themselves? And in my opinion, Marcus Woodson might be the best recruiter on the staff, at least from just kind of a result standpoint, not only just getting closing really like blue chip, a four-star kid like Hunter Washington, but also 
he seemed to has done a really good job of maintaining the relationships that he's built at Auburn. You know, we'll talk about the recruiting as a whole in a second after this, just kind of Nor- Norville had some interesting comments. Um, but I just, and not only does is he recruiting these kids that are highly, you know, highly thought of, I mean, Hunter Washington, I think he had some, he had offers from like Ohio state, uh, Texas A&M, uh, just, just really, really good schools, uh, offers that you want to see, but he's also very good at development. He just had a defensive back go in the first round of the NFL draft to my Dolphins. No, uh, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce the name. Um, anyway, yeah, picked number 30 overall, a kid that I think was a converted wide receiver. So it almost seems like <laughs> even though Marcus Woodson wasn't the first DB coach hired under the Mike Norvell era, it seems like we, I don't know if I want to say dodged a bullet because TJ rushing has a great pedigree. But I think we I think we leveled up. So I'm happy about that. Hunter Washington, a good kid. I think he's like 5'11, 170. Um, so not like you know, size-wise, pretty good size. Not like what you'd say, like prototypical, not ideal. But I think his uh his strength, uh agility, fluidity, uh he hits, which is good. Yeah, less pussies on the defense is always fun, fun for the fans. So that was a good commitment. Um, and what has been a I you call it doldrums, a doldrum recruiting period for Florida State. A lot of a lot of chatter from fans about, hey, what is Florida State doing on the trail? Not really securing a whole bunch of commitments outside of there was a lot of uh momentum at the beginning when you had like Brandon Jennings commit and then you had Luke Altmeyer commit. Then there was another kind of pocket of momentum when you had the the Mississippi State defensive line transfer, Fabian Lovett, among some other transfers, and like Jake Slaughter, there was a nice little period that we talked about Fabian Lovett because he's like <laughs> fucking kind of not like super committed. It's complicated Facebook relationship status. Shout out if you guys remember what Facebook is. Uh, so we'll talk to that. But Richie, what's been your opinion of the of the recruiting overall so far, Mike Norvell? Are you, is it is it where you would expect for a new coaching staff coming off two? shit whole years of the Willie Taggart era without being offered to official visits, or are you a little bit disappointed? On the surface, I think it's been really good considering, you know, the world we're living in. They're doing like zoom visits right now for right for the for the kids. Um but yeah man, I, I think they've done a really good job. And it's hard to tell because we I've also heard like, you know, Bud Elliott on the last Nolcast said something like they have so many more commits right now than like the last two classes combined at this point in time. So it's wild because kids just, they, they want to get a spot somewhere. So they're all committing to places. Um, but I think I'm, I'm more happy with what they've done in the transfer portal, uh, trying to get kids in that can immediately help out hopefully. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with what we've done because Mike Norvell hasn't had a chance to show off his product yet, you know, with, on the field. And who knows if we'll get a chance to do that or not. But I, I'm definitely they're working. The, the, the staff, Mike Norvell, everyone he has, they're working right now. And I'm very excited to see what happens with it. Right. And I, I'm a little bit less bullish than you, I think. I know they're definitely working. You can tell from like the flurry of offers, some of the early offers that are now getting like bigger offers kind of jumping off the scouting that Mike Norvell's done. You have like that, uh, that linebacker, I think is uh, Andrew Jones, I think is the kid I'm thinking of. We offered him first, low three-star can, 
what the fuck are we doing? And then boom, you have like a Georgia offer. So then everybody's like, oh, uh, you know, so the guy can scout. And Todd Graham even said, I think it was on an episode on the bench. He's never had a better evaluator of talent than Mike Norvell because the guy's detail oriented. He puts in the time to watch the film. So I'm not worried about the scouting. As far as their recruiting prowess, I, I think it's too early to tell right now to have one way or another. I do know they're working. Uh, Mike Norvell had some comments as to why maybe the commitments aren't coming as as fast as you'd see at a school like Tennessee, which they're that fucking shit. As a sidebar, Tennessee, they have like 22 commits. They got a shitload at the same time, a bunch of four stars, a bunch of five stars. Uh, I think they have like 12, three stars, which is which is fine. And what Richie was talking about earlier, is it going to be one of those things? You, you've got like more than like double the normal amount of commitments for this cycle, so our kids just saying yes and securing a spot, picking up a fucking orange checkerboard bag and saying, hey, I'm in the class until something better happens. I don't know. Uh, and we'll, we'll see. Is it going to be one of those deals where Tennessee's basically almost got a full class in May? How many of those kids are they able to hold on to? Uh, was it the right move to take all those early commitments? I don't know. I'm, I know a lot of people have been negative on it. Some people have like this fucking like Jeremy Pruitt like bloodlust, where like all the weird, all the weird Jeremy Pruitt blood just goes right to their to the shaft of their penis. They have Jeremy Pruitt envy, which is not something you would think you would ever hear for a coach. I don't know. I mean, I do think statistically it's easier to keep a kid committed than to get kids to commit. So maybe even if they only hold on to like 70% of those guys, if they wouldn't have got to commit in the first place, how many would they have gotten? I think it's an interesting strategy. It'll be interesting. Um, it'll be an interesting story to kind of look back on. But Mike Norvell said that, listen, the reason we're not taking a lot of commitments is because we want to establish the relationships. The relationships aren't where they need to be. We want to meet a bunch of these kids in person. This is our first shot as like the Florida State staff. So we don't want to, we don't want to offer, we don't want to set an offer, get a kid a commit, and then like pull the pull the classic like Nick Sabany Alabama thing and push him out at a later date. Um so we'll see. Is that really what's happening? He said that he had a bunch of kids that wanted to commit that he told to hold off until he felt the relationship was stronger hypothetically, so you wouldn't have a kid commit and then you think you have a spot filled in your class and then he decommits in October and you got to start the whole cycle again with a lower talent pool. That's the reasoning behind it. Is it the truth? Uh, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it's the truth. Is it the right strategy? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Um, hopefully it's one of those things where once the commits that we do get, these guys are rock solid. We don't have to worry about like a rash of like deep the rash of the predicted decommitments that are coming later. I will say that there was, so, like I said, so long story short, I'm, um, I'm open on Mike Norvell's recruiting prowess right now. The class is, I think like 41st in the rankings. However, they only have six commitments. The average is like an 89.5, which is a high three star kind of low four star. So that's the, of all the commitments. I don't even think all the kids are in that class are going to stick. I'm not sure about Quayshon Fuller's brother, Dequavion Fuller. I don't know if he makes it in. They have three, four stars right now, three, three stars. Um, the quarterback, Luke Altmeyer, started off as a three-star, now a high four-star, not high four-star, he's just a four-star on the composite, uh, saw a big rankings boost in the ESPN rankings, I think 24-7, there, we'll wait to see what they do in their latest, like, rankings update, but I think that's a positive story, because 
a kid that Mike Norvell was on early, I immediately identified as quarterback one, closed on him, and now the rest of the industry and the rest of the coaches are are catching up, which like like I think is a uh, I think it's a positive sign. So we'll see. I'm um I don't know what to think yet of Mike Norvell as a recruiter. I am very bullish on him as an evaluator of talent. And I know they're working their ass off with all the offers. So if if that's why everybody's a little, I don't know, their buttholes are a little puckered from the low number of commitments that we're getting, there was some coach speak reason given to it. Uh, speaking of more of kind of the recruiting before we move on to like the transfer stuff, uh, there were some crystal balls kind of flying in the other way. And in the, in the, in the, in the age of quarantine, uh, with literally no live sports going on besides Dana White, God, God bless your soul for just just pushing through and just offering cage fights <laughs> in this fucking hellscape of a time. I don't know how ethical it is, but I will say that I'm not too uh, good of a person to uh, not watch them. I watch every single one. But in this age of no sports, crystal balls from 24-7, it's like manna from heaven, just like dropping down. And we're just like little, just little guppies, like waiting for our fish food. Like, uh, give me all the info. Give me all the info. So we did have some crystal balls uh, fly in for Florida State. Balls flying in. Great. Uh, defensive end, Chambre Jackson. He's a four-star from the Orlando area. I think he plays for Boone High School. Uh, tight end, Michael Trigg, another four-star. Josh Newberg put in a crystal ball for Amari Harvey, who is the four-star uh, defensive back from the Tallahassee area. There's been some other offers that have gone out in this time. Mike Norvell expanding the boarded offensive tackle, the Alabama offensive tackle, Rod Orr, who's been mentioned multiple times on the Nolcast, other podcasts. That was an offer that's highly praised. There's a kid out of Texas at offensive tackle named Jacoby. I think Jackson is a guy that they just offered. So they're expanding the offensive tackle board, not going to get caught with their pants down, uh, which is a, I think it's a good trait, at least for right now, until we can start to get the visits going or get the on-field results, being able to, being able to actually show what the fuck a competent Florida State football product looks like. It's good to not be like married to kids that are out of your league. Um, right now we're fucking sixes and sevens. Hopefully in a couple of years we'll be fucking dime pieces. I don't know, but it's good. We, we, we can't, we can't just show up empty handed from the club uh, when it comes from the offensive line recruiting class again. Uh, one thing that you did mention, Rich, is interesting. Like that was the, the high school recruiting. Um, the activity on the transfer portal has been, has been interesting. Uh, it's, it's been numerous to be quite honest with you. And just as far as kind of evidence of that Florida state got a commitment from a grad transfer tight end from UCLA, Jordan Wilson, this kid, he's about, I think he's like six, four, two forty, two fifty. going to be a guy that is going to be mo- used mostly as like an inline blocker. In my opinion, you've got a, a willing blocker, a guy who can catch if needed, but the stats at UCLA were not eye popping to say the least. However, low key, the tight end position is one that was just shallow as fuck, man. I mean, you have cam McDonald as like a sort of, you, I guess you could count him as like a proven commodity at tight end. And then what do you have next? You've got Wyatt Rector, everybody's favorite like quarterback transfer store, right? which the fans love him. What the fuck can he do? Nobody knows. I don't know. We'll be interested to see. You've got Carter Boatwright, who's a true freshman, and then I think that's it. So getting this kid, while not a not as exciting as uh, as the commitments of like a Jay Sean Corbin or even like a Miko Dotson, 
I think is vitally important because of the amount that Norvell likes to use the tight end, particularly in like inline blocking, two tight end sets, all that sort of stuff that kind of facilitates his run game, the different angles and the different matchups that he likes to get. Having some tight, having some tight end, some bodies out there. That position is vitally important. This kid may be the best blocking tight end, like starting day one on the roster. So I think he's gonna, he's gonna play a significant amount, like two hundred to like four hundred snaps this year. He'll be the clearly defined tight end two, maybe the number one like tight end when it comes to like running situations. I don't know, but I thought it was a good pickup. A lot of people were bitching about it because eh, people like to bitch. Um, what do you think about the pickup, man? Were you, were you, uh, I mean, does, did it register for you at all? Were you encouraged? What do you think? I like it. Um, mainly because like you said, what do we have at tight end? We lost Trey McKinney to Georgia and nobody's gonna fault a kid for going to Georgia from Florida no, state right now. No. Um, but yeah, like you said, the, the offensive line is clearly the one big weak spot of this team right now. And if you can get someone who can block well, um, adding a tight end who, who can come in in running situations and maybe you catch people off guard and he can run a, you know, a flat route or something. Um, little pop pass. Yeah. yeah I, I love it, pass. man. I, I'd love that. They, they found a guy again. He's not going to be a Nick O'Leary. We, we know that, but it, he's another guy who can put aside your right tackle, left tackle, whatever it may be. And it can help out with the running game or pass blocking. So uh, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say it, sit here and say, yeah, that's a great pickup, but it, it is somebody who can contribute, and that's what we need right now. Listen, we are not going to blow smoke up your ass about a tight end depth transfer from UCLA. We're not going to do that to you here on the Rollcast. We, just, we, we love you, and we're going to be honest with you, but I thought it was a good pickup, man, and it was a kid they identified early. I think they visited him in California, like out in January, and they fucking they got him, and it, it, and it adds to a transfer class these are all the guys that they've gotten so far. Uh, you got running back from Texas A&M, Jay Sean Corbin. You got offensive lineman. We'll see. What, is he going to be interior? Is he going to be a tackle? Devontae Love-Taylor from FIU. You got the defensive end transfer, Deontay Williams from Baylor. You got the other, the, kind of the forgotten defensive line transfer, Jarrett Jackson from Louisville, because that happened right at the end of like that 2020 recruiting class. But you got him. You got the Mississippi State defensive tackle, Fabian Lovett, who is not, not fucking committed at all, in my opinion, which is fine. I mean, you're a transfer. Like this is, I'm all about giving agency and power to the players. Like he, he committed and then he took all the Florida state stuff out of his bio. There were, I think Mississippi state fans pretending to be racist, Florida state fans all over Twitter and like adding fucking stupid shit out of, don't be weird online. Everyone just sidebar, just stop being weird online. I know the Corona this is, this, everybody's weird right now. Um, just be less weird than you normally are online. Don't do shit like that. Um, so his recruitment's still open, but I mean, you can count him as a commitment. I mean, it, it, at the least, Florida State's the leader in that guy's commitment, um, which, I mean, that'd be a very talented piece to add. Um, you had the linebacker from Purdue, Cornelius Jones, who's going to be like a walk-on guy, good depth, good practice player. Then you had the FAU, I believe, transfer at cornerback, Miko Dotson, who led the country in interception. It's going to be a nice, uh, we'll see where he slots out. If he's an outside guy or if he's a nickel guy, but definitely going to be a contributor. So a, a very solid haul in the transfer market. In my opinion, I think the last piece that they're kind of missing is another offensive tackle. And obviously, Oh, Florida state needs offensive tackles. Wow. Way to really, um, 
what an epiphany, Trey. Way to really get in depth with some uh, perceptive insight. Listen, motherfucker. I know, you know, we all know it, but I think that's kind of the last piece to where if if they can if they can get that particularly like a grad transfer guy that's ready to go. Um, could, I, I can't really ask for too much more in the transfer portal right now. It seems their main target is a kid named Jared Williams from the university of Houston. He's a grad transfer. Uh, he's got it. It looks like Florida state is one of the leaders, uh, along with schools like Baylor and Miami. Do I think that Florida state is the leader from everything that I've read? No, I do not. I know that they've had zoom calls and virtual tours and all that other shit. Um, so that, He's their guy, and I, I don't think the pursuit was hot and heavy for some reason at the beginning, but now I think Florida State is really focused in. They really want this Jared Williams kid. The problem you got to beat is Baylor. Uh, all these schools can sell playing time, Baylor, Miami, Florida State. Uh, Baylor, you got to fight geography. Very close to his current residence in Houston. Wouldn't have to go very far. Uh, clubbing up from the G5 to the P5 level, playing in the Big 12. Uh, Miami, you got a, he's got his old uh, college teammate, Derek King on the roster. So that's their connection. And then you got Florida state, which outside of like playing time and, um, playing time and, uh, Mr. Roboto's in Tallahassee. Not, I mean, that's kind of what we offer. There's no real connections to this kid that I'm aware of, uh, other than that. So is that, is that strong enough? We'll see. I don't know. I hope so because he's a kid that'll play immediately. Nice little upgrade. Like I said, not a world beater, but most certainly better than what we have right now. Uh, they missed out on the Isaiah Walker kid. That was a weird one. Uh, very highly touted prospect from the last recruiting class. Committed to UF. Virus hits. I think he was even an early enrollee, and now he's playing at Miami. Uh, Isaiah Walker. Uh, deciding to play for Manny Diaz, who who seems to be a pretty competent recruiter. Just if he could stop sucking so much penis as a coach, like if he was just a better coach, he'd be fine. I mean, he was a good enough coach to beat the shit out of Florida state this whole time he's been there. But, uh, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what they can do this year. They really quietly kind of cleaned it up in the transfer market with that temple defensive end, Quincy Roach, Derek King, Isaiah Walker, if they could land this Jared Williams kid. So man, he's doing stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of see, we'll just kind of see what goes on from there. Just all the other, uh, all the other activity on the transfer market. I think uh, I've been pretty fucking impressed, honestly, with just the results that they've gotten on the transfer market. Uh, but more importantly, like the process, I think the process is like ironclad. Like as soon as a kid, hits the transfer market, boom, like Kenny Dillingham, just a, just like a dog, just like a dog on a, on a bone, just just a little fucking Harry Potter loving shih tzu, just gnawing on a little chew toy. As soon as a kid follows him right on Twitter, man. Um, God, I really, you know what? Sidebar, I really wish we could fucking talk to some of these coaching staff, like some of these guys on the staff. I think it'd be so interesting. I don't want to get myself heated again, especially when I'm running on like four hours of sleep during the entire week. I could really have a nice epic fucking baby fueled insomnia rant. I'm not going to, but fuck you again, Florida State. You should really let me talk to your people, man. Give a good interview. Um, Where do we go from here? Oh, well, what comes in, Richie? Must also have a corresponding guy coming out, and we've had we've had some we've had some we've had some guys.
guys, some some transfer guys leave. Uh, most notably, off everybody's favorite offensive lineman, the big greasy himself, Mike Arnold, transferring as a grad transfer. Um, Richie, this is going to be your free time to uh, to just you know be as depressed as you need to be for Mike Arnold leaving. Go ahead, the floor is yours. Yeah, man, it's it's that uh, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's that's a shame. That's a real shame. Listen, I would like to do the thing that other podcasts do, where they could be like, "Oh, I wish nothing but the best for this kid. Like he seems to be a good kid." Blah blah blah. I don't think I'm in the position to do that because I think on one of the first episodes of this podcast, I referred to him as Tits. I called him Mike Tits Arnold. So I can't really like pretend that I'm like the the classy magnanimous guy. I do hope the kid does well, though. Not a good, just I don't, just not a good football player. Was not really impressed by the effort shown uh, in any of those clips from spring ball. Just a kid who's not bought in. And who knows? Maybe he pulls a full-on Landon Dickerson, just just rubs some dip spit on his ankle, becomes a new man, gets some deer antler spray, and just kills it at a better program. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of doubtful of that. But hey, man, the kid got his degree, and fucking congrats, my dude. Go go kill it at like Ball State or wherever. I you know I, I hope he does good. I don't, I don't wish ill on anybody. But I also can't pretend that I'm like the classy, like respectful dude because I called him tits like a couple months ago. Well, I, I think um, it, it shows, like you know, we go back to Jeff Sims. It shows that Mike Norvell is like, listen, man, you you don't have a spot here. We we don't have it. You don't have a future at Florida State. So explore other options. And I, I love that. As soon as he entered the transfer portal, they deleted him from the roster. Like he was gone. Like like there's no coming back. Like you're all right. You're in the transfer portal best of luck again like you said i hope you have a success somewhere else but you're you're done like you're dead to me it's the you know kill it in the mac bro can't wait to watch you on wednesday nights um that's another thing too that's interesting to me he's got to be comfortable with what the apr is because mike norvell i think met with every single player on the roster after the season and had like the evaluation probably where this message of hey we are not going to need you for next year was really conveyed um, to a lot of these players and you've seen him go Logan Tyler, who we're going to mention too, has gone, uh, let's see, Christian Meadows. Uh, he just got medically DQ'd. So I- I'm guessing that the APR, I don't know what it is. Cause I'm not that big of a fucking dork and I don't hate myself enough to look up APR stats for the university, but it's gotta be in a comfortable enough place where Mike Norvell is fine with getting some of this dead wood off the roster. Um, and that's something that, Will Willemus Bartholomew Taggart takes a lot of deserved shit. Just a really, 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 I understand all of the shit he gets, the vitriol. I do get it. But in this one instance, man, the academic work that he that he did during his tenure, getting these assholes to go to class, it paid off. They're, they they had the highest team GPA, I think, ever this year. It was like a 3.13. Solid. What fucking the football play? They didn't come to play school. Solid. It's fine. It's totally fine. I so you know highest team GPA. It's not like where I think Texas like bragged about their highest team GPA ever. It was like a two point five or some like dumb shit like that. So it's better than that. It's respectable. It's fine. I don't give. I don't really care if these kids go to class or not. Oh no, cut your pearls. Just go to class enough to where like. Our APR is not fucked. I, I don't care. I, this is football. I'm not going to, I don't have any delusions, man. I, I care about the football team, not the, 
not the geology team. I don't care. So they, they went, Willie Taggart did the real legwork in getting the APR, which was just in shambles, uh, to a level where Mike Norvell can churn the roster a little bit two years later. So to that credit, good for you, Willie Taggart. Props, my friend. Um, yeah, and geez, that just shows you how slow the news cycle has been. That like, I think there was like multiple articles on like Team GPA, man. Fuck, and I don't know how people are running websites right now. They are hurting. They are hurting for shit. But anyway, I mentioned uh, Logan Tyler, um, punter, transferring from Florida State to Arizona State. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just trying to fuck. He's just trying to fuck. So I mean, I, I respect that. Like, just. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a football player, if you're gonna use the punter clout to, to fuck, Florida State, Arizona State's a fine move, my friend. Enjoy the desert, um, and party it up. You're gonna have a great time. Looks like I guess that means Florida State. We're all in on the Aussie, right? On the Alex Mastromano, right? They're fucking right. Forster's Australian for punter, right? Like, is that gonna be our punter next year, Richie? I, I want so. to do an accent, but I, I really don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I love the idea of having an Australian punter, so I'm all in on that. And yeah, I mean, we knew Logan Tyler was not going to be a part of the program moving forward. Um, yeah. Like you said, man, Arizona yeah. <laughs> elite choices. If he's just chasing pussy, so good for him. That's right, Tyler, Australian for bitches. Um, God, see, I love doing Australia, and of course, a perfect time to talk about our Australian punter. I think it's like. Pacific Islander Asian Heritage Month. So that'll be great. Uh, shout out to our only Polynesian player, Lawrence Doafili, um, who's great. He's like the, you get Australian punter. You get like a, a question of like a guy who, you, who I guess is Polynesian as a running back. And then you evolve to the final form of just a big fucking fat, just eats mayonnaise out of the jar, Samoan defensive tackle with just a ton of vowels in their last name and apostrophes. That's the final form of Florida State when we have a guy like 6'1", 360, that's, that's what I eventually want Florida State to get to. I want that big motherfucker. Just I, I want a Samoan defensive tackle so, so bad. Um, so we're on our way to get there. But Logan Tyler's gone. Christian Meadows got medically DQ'd, which is great because I could never figure out from that 2018 class who was Christian Meadows, who was Christian Armstrong. It doesn't matter because they're both gone. And listen to, the, listen to this, Richie. This is from the 2018 uh, Willie Taggart transition class, the first signing class in the early signing period area. Uh, the one where everybody was really, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a positive that got up to the 11th in the country in that short time. Um, this is what the class looks like today. These are the guys that are no longer on FSU's roster from that class. Uh, AJ Litton gone. Trey Sean Harrison gone to Oregon state. I believe defensive end Xavier Peters gone. Uh, Malcolm Lamar, one of the guys who broke the armwood curse deuces Christian Armstrong, the other Christian gone. Demarcus Adams gone. Christian Meadows gone. That's like, what's that? One, two, three, four. Four, five, six, like seven, seven, eight guys from that class just gone. So as I said on, as I poorly quipped on Twitter the other day, like this 2018 class went from looking good. It was like one of those faces of meth like pictures, right? You see the first picture and it's like, oh, look at this bright, young, bushy eyed girl. So full of life. So, so, so vibrant, so full, so full of a promise. And then it's like 18 months later and she's got like all these like potholes in her face, like seven teeth six of which are rotted out, one maybe like fake, just 
haggard split ends, just, just, just sucking all the wiener for meth. That's what our 2018 Florida State recruiting class looks like now. It looked great at the beginning, and then I'm guessing that the the time crunch of not being able to like evaluate all of these kids properly, just kind of going off the just going off the recruiting site rankings a little bit, came to bite us in the ass. Which once again, it sucks. It's going to hurt the program a little bit long term because that was a that was a recruiting class that while a little bit below the Florida State standard, still statistically ranked higher than uh, the Willie Taggart's other class, but it might end up being a worse class. So what is going to be the ramifications of that later on? I don't know. Is that is the 2018 recruiting class, the attrition, the bust rate, is that the reason why Florida State's more than normal activity in the transfer portal this off season. It'll be, it'll be something to watch. It'll, it'll be something to watch specifically when we start talking about like depth issues and things like that. Um, any thoughts before I I'll talk about the NFL draft just for a little bit before we get out of here, Richie, any other thoughts on recruiting, whether it be high school transfer, any other things that's on your mind right now, my friend? No, I, I think you pretty much hit it pretty well. And it's, you know, it is what it is. I think, the, the good thing, we, Florida State, you know, and people hate to hear this, but we are in the ACC, so we still have one of the top four or five talented rosters in the conference right now, so there's no reason you can't, you know, six and two's not out of the realm of possibility in the ACC, so, you know, it, it is what it is, but, you know, luckily... You know, we're we're in a position where we're still one of the most talented teams in the ACC, despite <laughs> losing 30% of Willie's transition class. Right. And it's, it, it sucks because our Florida state's comparative expectations are not of Duke are not of wake forest. They're not of fucking Boston college. Right. But so we're comparing ourselves to the Florida's, the Clemson's, the Georgia, the other powerhouses teams that have won national championships in the past like 20 years. Sorry, sorry, Georgia. You actually don't count in that conversation, but you're recruiting like you have anyway, but it's, but those are the expectations that the fans have. And with the amount of investment that Florida state puts into the, the football program, those are the right expectations to have. Um, when you look at those comparing it to those programs, not even close, not even close as far as like roster talent and recruiting style. But when you compare it to like, like I said, the Boston colleges, the wakes, all those other teams, the teams that we have to actually play most of the time. We got enough guns to whoop their ass. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see like, what is Mike Norvell going to do with a kid like Warren Thompson, highly recruited underdeveloped. What's he going to do with a mercurial guy like DJ Matthews? What are you going to do? A five-star kid like Akeem Dent largely played out of position last year. is going to get some competent defensive backs coaching. Kalen Laybourne. Kalen Laybourne, another guy like fucking, is he on the team? Is he not on the team? I like these, these guys that are so talented that you've just, you've gotten shit from how, how, what's Florida state going to look like with some coaching? What's Florida state going to look like with some coaching in the weirdest off season in the history of college football? I don't know. Um, but I think that's what for a fan base that's just battered and beaten and doesn't want to listen to anything good, for good reason, right? Sold the boat of dreams during the Willie Taggart era. I think those are things to legitimately get excited about people. So, um, we'll, we'll see. What does that translate into wins, which is what anybody cares about? I don't know yet. Um, 
and I don't think anybody else legitimately does either, no matter how much they want to pretend. Um, we did, since we've literally been off for like a year. I missed the NFL draft. Um, doesn't matter because Florida State University basically missed the NFL draft too because we got one guy drafted. Cam Akers went to the Los Angeles Rams. I think that's going to be an awesome fit, like a Todd Gurley replacement. Thank God that NFL scouts could see what we saw. Just poor Cam Akers running for his fucking life, accosted by D1 athletes all over the field. No time to breathe, no time to think, just survival running um, and still somehow able to get production. I'm glad that NFL draft scouts were able to see that and be like, oh my God, this poor guy, come, come to us, please. Like, come here. Like that Rick James meme, right? Where he's just like beckoning the people to him. Like, come on, come here, Charlie Murphy. So come here, Cam Akers, come to LA. I think he's going to have a great NFL career. Uh, very talented dude. Going to unfortunately go down in history as one of the most wasted prospects in the history of Florida State football. Just came to Florida State at the wrong time through no fault of his own, man. Uh, great running back, worked his ass off, a leader, did everything that we asked him to do, threw the ball, ran the ball, just booby miles did, and he can't pass. Just he did everything we asked him to do, and uh, he got rewarded by being drafted, and nobody else from the team did. Um, there's some undrafted guys, Stanford Samuels, the third, he went undrafted to the Packers. That's funny. Cause I think like two years ago, people were predicting to be a first round pick. Eh, eh. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much shit about him because I liked his dad a lot. Uh, his dad like dented in like Roscoe Parrish's chest. So that's always fun for me. So no Stanford Samuel slander here for the version 2.0 or version 3.0 Gabe neighbors, who I thought ended up distinguishing himself a little bit. In the uh, at the tail end of the Willie Taggarter, he goes to the Chargers. Levante Taylor goes to the Rams. Uh, that'll be that'll be a fun fit, man. All all talented guys. Uh, neighbors. I'm not sure what his recruiting ranking was, but Stanford Samuel's the third. Levante Taylor, all like super blue chip guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the NFL. Once again, just uh, just. Testament to the lack of development that you only get. You only get one of those plethora of four and five star kids um, to get drafted. Really just not such a far cry from what we saw in 2013 and 2014. The development just hasn't just hasn't been there. I think that trend is going to change next year when you got kids like Marvin Wilson going into the draft, Corey Durden. Uh, I think Florida State's definitely going to have more than one guy drafted next year. Uh, so we'll see, man, possibly even more if the Norvell staff can develop like I think they can. And that was that was a fun story of the draft, seeing all the Norvell staff guys that got drafted instead of Florida State dudes. You had a uh, Mississippi State linebacker, Willie Gay, got drafted uh, high, even with like a plethora of apparent like character concerns. That was a Chris Marv guy at Mississippi State. Antonio Gibson, the Memphis like the Memphis like slash dude, the wide receiver running back who I loved watching. I love in all those like Memphis games, it was whoop that trick and watching Antonio Gibson do stuff were my two highlights of like watching Mike Norvell coach at Memphis. Uh, the aforementioned Noah Igbenogany, uh, man, I fucking crushed that shit. Uh, the Auburn defensive back who my dolphins took in the first round, pick 30, a kid who was like converted from wide receiver, Marcus Whipson doing work there. Uh, Lucas Niang, the offensive tackle coached by Chris Thompson. He got drafted. There was like a two lane offensive lineman that got fucking drafted. Uh, an Alex Atkins guy. It was great. 
great, man. And a lot of those guys went in the first three rounds. It just shows you that it'll be so different to see what happens from a staff that may not be the most dynamic recruiters and the jury's still out. We don't know yet, but they may not be the most dynamic recruiters, but are elite developers and actual coaches. It'll be interesting to see how that goes from a staff before where they were elite recruiters. And we figured that that would kind of take care of the X's and O's stuff more than it, it actually ended up doing. So it'll be interesting to see the juxtaposition of that and what the results are. Uh, some other NFL, what did you think of the draft, Rich? Any other like storylines that I missed? No, I, th- I think you pretty much hit on it. Like it's like you said. Obviously, Florida State. We would have had three guys drafted. Obviously, if, if Marvin Wilson and Tamari and Terry had gone in, so that sure, doesn't, Terry that doesn't too, sound yeah. as bad. But at the same time, it's exciting that Memphis and in or or Mort- Norvell and his staff. I think they had seven guys drafted between Norvell and guys on the staff currently. So that that's encouraging. I think so too. And it's one of those things too, where even if those guys would have gone drafted, I mean, a reason why they're staying, uh, is they, they probably like commiserate with their talent level. They would have got under drafted if they came out this year, Tamori Terry, especially with how deep that wide receiver class is. So another year, like I want Florida state to be the, I, cause there is such a, just a rich history of sending guys to the league, just like it, like an NFL, like talent factory. Right. Just get that back, and that means so much on the recruiting trail. So I, I think they can, and I think, like you said, that this is where the gears start turning. Um, but definitely a slow period in terms of Florida State sending guys to the league. And other FSU Knowles news, uh, Jameis Winston going to the Saints. Richie, what do you think? You're a you're a Buck guy. You're a, you you live a Buck life. What do you think, man? Is Jameis the enemy now? Like, does he get a pass? Like, does he still get does he still get to play his Knoll card? Or is he just a, a dirty, beignet-eating piece of shit, gumbo fucking asshole? Like, wh- where do you stand on Jameis Winston? He will forever be the guy that gave me, in my lifetime, the most enjoyable Florida State season in history. Um, again, in my lifetime, so the past 32 years. Um, yeah, man, good for him. I, I hope things work out well for him. You know, if, if he's starting against the Bucks, I hope Tom Brady gets in that ass, you know? But, um <laughs> But yeah, but, but sexual, no. nice. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, good for him. I, I hope things work out well. I, I think if if Tom Brady wasn't an option, I think the Bucks resign him, and I would have been happy. Like I, w- I would love him to still be with Tampa Bay. But again, Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, man, good for mm. him. And you know, we don't know what Drew Brees is going to do in the next you know year or so. Um, if he takes over it for the saints, you know, I, I wish him good luck in 14 out of his 16 games every year. Yeah. And it, it'll be a fun fit. Cause they have a, they have a backup guy that they like a lot, Taysom Hill, but as all guys that come from BYU do, he's 47 with like 12 kids. So he's got like maybe a month more in the league. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. But Jameis is funny because I'm like you dude. that 2013 year was like a revelation. I almost I got burned out on Jameis just because I was tired of defending him online for like two years fucking straight. So I was I kind of enjoyed the break of never having to like talk about him again because I don't like Tampa uh, stuff at all. Sorry, Richie. Uh, so I was just like, so I'm. I mean, I want him to do good, man. Like a top five, top ten player at Florida State of all time, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, I want him to do good, so we'll see. He's gonna have. He's going to have competent coaching, so it, we'll see what he does. Uh, 
Um, Chris Thompson, he's going to the Jags on a one-year deal. Fuck, I love him, man. Chris Thompson's a great dude. Uh, and I've always – I just want him to go somewhere where he's going to get the appropriate amount of touches for his talent level. Every single time he touched the ball in Washington, he did stuff with it. So, so, so shout out to Chris of, Thompson. Yeah, man. So outside of Dalvin Cook and work done, he's my third favorite running back ever at Florida State. Like, I, I was lucky enough to interview him several times because I was working oh, with, nice. with Noel Digest and the FSU when he was at Florida State. He was just the nicest dude. Like, and I remember a story. So I'll give you this. Do you remember Dakota Watson? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, so he he had like a twelve pack, and he was just a beast. <laughs> and one yeah, of my yeah. favorite <laughs> stories I've ever heard of Chris Thompson was. Uh, his first practice at Florida State in pads, Chris. I was interviewing Christian Ponder, and he's like, "Yeah, man, he." We gave the ball to Chris Thompson, and he just tried to run over Dakota Watson, like uh, like his oh, first carry, awesome. which was amazing. And he's a nice dude, and people don't realize that. I think it was twenty twelve, yeah, twenty twelve. So that Clemson game, he he was a beast. Um, and people don't realize, man, if he didn't get hurt, he would have been Florida State's first thousand yard rusher since work done in 94 and he was an amazing college running back super nice dude and he's actually a, a sleeper in fantasy leagues with the redskins man he he would just put up numbers um so good for him i'm not a jags fan but i will definitely be a chris thompson fan rooting for him to do well he's awesome dude and i uh there was a play i forget which miami game it was i wrote uh you know i contributed Tom Ock Nation time to time. We did like a top 100 play series. There was a, I forget which year the Miami game was, but he ran for a touchdown, got it called back. And I think like the next one. Yeah. That immediately like ran another fucking touchdown. So just, just an awesome guy, man. We're big, we're big pro Chris Thompson podcast. However, my, we're, if we're going to talk about like favorite Florida state running backs of all time, just as a sidebar before we leave. Oh yeah. I can just, just, you can hear like, Oh, great. You. The fucking, they were playing. The 2002 Miami game on like ESPN because ESPN and the ACC Network can only play Florida State games where we fucking lose those pieces of fucking shit. But um, God, dude, you're he's playing a game against the defending national championship champions at their house and just tr- just is fucking people to death, man. Jonathan Velma's like terrified of him. He's he's just he's just grinding Sean. Taylor into the ground. Just my fa- my favorite player at Florida State, regardless of year. I love him, and I always, you know, how you always like because he was during my formative years, two thousand two. I was like 13, 14, 13, 14 years old, right? So those are like those are the guys you always remember more fondly. Like nobody's ever as good as like the the teams when you were a kid. So I was like watching some of that, and I was like, yeah, you know, I probably got some confirmation bias. Anytime like any of those Tomahawk Nation, like when Greg Jones was on the top plays list, I claimed it like immediately like my 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 mind um and i was like i probably got some i probably got some like youth bias like thinking back about greg jones and i watched i don't watch him play and i go no man this guy was just fucking awesome he's just so good and like terrifying somebody sent me a video on twitter where he's just like crushing footlongs just like drenched in mayonnaise and he's like well i'll work out hard so i just do whatever the hell i want and just shout out to Greg Jones, man. My just the Rollcast's favorite FSU player of all time. Love so, him. So I'll say, like, he's probably one of my top two favorite rushes of all time for Florida State. Um, number one or two, one A, one B is, is 
Greg Jones just destroying Dexter Reed, knocking his yeah. helmet off. Um, yeah. And then the other one is uh, James Wilder in that Clemson 2012 game where he's just carrying like eight Clemson defenders. So those two rushes, obviously Warded Dunn's probably number one for a running back. But man, like James Wilder against Clemson and then that Dexter Reed just... Man, I, I that's my favorite okay. play. I, I feel bad for his family. I really do. Like that was that was nasty. I've I've written so many. Like I feel like I've written three stories about that play on Tomahawk Nation. But the thing that people don't get about Dexter Reed when he was at USC, he was like a he was like an All ACC player. Like he was good as shit. Like he got drafted and yeah, he was he was awesome. And he just got ultra bitched. And it was. Those early lost decade teams were so, so good. Like people don't understand how talented those like those with like Darnell Dockets and and Greg Jones and Crafonzo. Oh man, I love Crafonzo Thorpe too. Just big Crafonzo Thorpe guy. Shout out, shout out Crow Thorpe. So sidebar um, trait. You've heard the yeah. story about Greg Jones just beat the shit out of Darnell Dockett in the locker room, right? I've I've heard about that like slightly. <laughs> That's amazing because um, like, Darnell Dockett is a fucking monster, and Greg Jones just, just apparently like there's no video obviously, or no one's going to talk about no. it publicly. But man, apparently he just destroyed him. If any former Florida State alumni that were there in that locker room that would like to talk about that, please come on this podcast. And I love Darnell Dockett too, just because he like he'll, he'll like. T- post about like midget porn on like Instagram and stuff. Like he's just like a psychopath and he was so good. Um, yeah, man. Loved them. Those were great teams. All, always often overlooked, but that's all I got for this edition of the Royal cast. Ladies and gentlemen, Richie, I thought it was a good one. Good to, good to knock the rust off a little bit. Another classic episode for the peeps. Listen, I have no idea when we're going to record it again. This was so like last minute. I can't even, my, 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 my vocabulary is not good enough to describe it. Uh, I'll try to make these as regular as possible. I do have two tiny little life forms depending on me. Thank God they're mostly depending on their responsible mother, but I do have to do things from time to time. So I don't know when the next time I'm going to talk to you guys is. We'll see. Maybe in the meantime, because like Florida State news is so like dry, uh, maybe Richie and I, and I'm just kind of spitballing as we're recording. I don't know. We'll figure something to do like on Twitch where we can do some play-by-play, some watchbacks. Maybe we'll have some off-topic episodes on like UFC or – I don't know, man. We'll do something. I'll still talk into the microphone. I, I need to express myself creatively. I need to give the super producer something to do in between just like just hitting hole-in-ones and just like ripping right, white claws to the face. I got to give him something productive so his wife doesn't leave him. But we will be here – I just, the frequency is going to be to be determined, but you guys don't care because you love us. You give us a long leash and we love you. So thank you for listening. I hope you guys are staying safe, stay healthy, um, refer the podcast to other degenerates like yourselves and uh, catch you again on the next one.